0: Welcome to WSD Voice, a podcast focused on positive and informative news in Waterford School District. I am your host, Sarah Davis, the Director of Communications and Community Relations, and I'm here with Waterford School District Superintendent Scott Lindbergh. We are back in studio for our second season of WSD Voice, and we're trying something new. We have decided to move the podcast to video format as well, so that all of our listeners can listen to either the audio version or check us out live in the studio on YouTube. Um, access to both of these formats will be available on our website at wsdmi.org wsdvoice. But being back in the studio also means something else. School is back in session. So, Scott, how has this school year been going so far?
1: Well, it's been a great start, Sarah. Thank you uh, again for uh, having me. Uh, I want to talk about three things, three takeaways The school year is going great because we have invested over $3 million uh, in our teaching and learning, our curriculum enhancements. We have initiated our one-to-one, which means every student uh, gets a device uh, for their studies for both in the classroom and at home. And we continue uh, from our groundbreaking of our construction of our early childhood building. That is going very, very well.
0: Happy to hear that. And let's hope the rest of the school year continues to go well. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about safety and security at WSD. And on the program to discuss this topic is Jim Beaver, our Director of Operations and Security for the past 14 years. Jim, thank you for being here.
2: Well, thank you, Sarah and Scott. I appreciate you having me.
0: Of course. And we also have Ann Cruz. Veteran principal here at Donaldson Hills Elementary for the past 23 years, and we'll, we will be talking with her later about the social-emotional piece related to this topic. So welcome, Anne. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Jim, we wanted to uh, have an episode dedicated to this topic because it's so important that our students and families are on the same page when it comes to what policies and procedures we have in place here at WSD to ensure our student safety. Our families should know that Waterford School District has been on the forefront of school security for a number of years and continues to take proactive steps to protect the safety of all students and staff members. But Jim, can you kind of talk about some of those steps that we've taken over the years?
2: Sure, certainly. Um, you know, we we're very proud that we we feel that we've been very proactive here in Waterford with our safety and security protocols, um, and this goes back to like 2004 when we. We reward grants um, from that period. It really allowed us to bring a lot of resources into the district. Um, some things that we brought in over the years, are school safety coordinator personnel at each of our secondary schools. Um, we have cameras in all of our buildings. And um, secured entries were, were added um, to, to make sure that our, our buildings are safe and secure. Uh, more recently, we've, we've added some additional things, such as interior ready locks or thumb locks they may be referred to. Um, we do volunteer background checks on, on folks that work with our kids. Um, uh, we've upgraded our card access system, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but, but really, you know, the technology in that is, is always uh, progressing, so we were able to upgrade that. Um, so, you know, we have all that in place to ensure that our, our students are, are, are safe and secure. And um, and we, we initiate um, Alice protocols uh, throughout our schools also, which um, offers our you know uh, uh, students and staff just another layer of protection.
0: Okay, and uh, for those who don't know what Alice stands for, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? More?
2: Sure, sure. Alice is a, an a- acronym, um, but the the letters stand for Alert, Lockdown, Inform, Counter, and Evacuate, and. Um, even though it's an acronym, it's not a linear strategy, so, you know, uh, these d- different um, tools that, that our staff is enabled to uh, use, you know, really, evacuate might be really usually your first option of what you want to do. If it's safe for you to get out of a, of a situation, then that's really what you want to mm-hmm. do. Um, but uh, it's it's a strategy that was um, really developed in the wake of uh, Sandy Hook, Um law enforcement uh at the national level and local levels everybody got together and said you know the the protocol for a long time was to shelter in place essentially you would go into a lockdown mode you would shelter under desks and lock lock the doors um but you know after these incidents continued to happen they really looked at um uh, different strategies to, to to actually help save lives um the uh, the shooting at Virginia Tech was pretty instrumental. They got a lot of data out of that that really helped kind of push the the Alice protocol along. Um, and, and what they found when they um, studied uh, Virginia Tech was was that in in cases where um, classrooms closed the door and barricaded the door and actually had an exit, that um, the number of of lives that you know were saved from that was was very significant. So. Um, This group got together, put the ALICE protocol out. We found out about it here in Waterford through our association with our police liaison officers. Every summer we go um, uh, to uh, a conference with our police liaison officers. And um, this was back, I believe, 2014. Um, The Michigan State Police did a presentation at that conference introducing ALICE to everybody. We brought it back here to Waterford, talked to our administration about it, uh, brought the a- Michigan State Police in, actually, um, did a training with our administration, and everybody was instantly on board. They were excited to, to um, bring this protocol into the district. Um, and, and then in 2015, actually, after we decided to move forward, we immediately uh, had a, a huge training sessions with all of our staff and uh, trained everybody um uh, on the ALICE protocols, and we continue to do that every year. We do refresher trainings every year with our staff, and um, it, it's really, you know, we're, we're really proud to be on the forefront in the county, um, if not the state, with, with any, uh, really bringing ALICE protocols in. So um, that's, that's really kind of where we're at. Yeah, excellent
0: yeah. work. Um, and you mentioned those resource officers. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about them, what they do, their <laughs> names? Um, what
2: schools they cover, that sort of thing? Sure, sure. Well, we have four police liaison officers in our schools. They're at all of our secondary schools, uh, one at each high school and one at each middle school. Um, we have uh, Officer Matt Reed over at Mott High School. We've got Officer Tim Gilo over at Kettering, uh, Officer Andy Taragis at Pierce, and uh, new this year is Officer Kelly Johnson over at Mason Middle School. So, um, you know, they they do a great job. They're there to build relationships with kids. Um, really, you know, the goal of the police lay is on officer. It serves many many goals, obviously. But, uh, you know, when I when I talk. To, to them, you know, they really want to break that st- stigma down with our kids of what a police officer is. You know, a lot of our kids don't see police in, in, a, in a positive light. So they want to build those relationships with kids and um, kind of have a different perspective. It's, um, you know, our kids come from all different kinds of backgrounds. They're there, you know, to, to be a resource for them. Their offices are right in the schools. Um, they... Kids regularly come to them just to, to talk about things that are going on in their lives and, um, and, and they ask for help, quite honestly, you know. So the, having them in our schools is invaluable. It's, it's a great resource. It's a great partnership with Waterford PD. Um, uh, they work in concert with our staff. If there are incidents that come up and they can be of, of assistance, they're certainly right there. Uh, the two liaison officers at the middle schools actually help support our elementary schools also Um, so you know that is a uh, a real benefit Um, it's it's something that we've tried to supplement with our school safety coordinators in the past but the liaison officers you know especially with that age of student it makes a real impact when a uniformed officer goes in and and gets involved in the situation so you know obviously I I think for all of our staff in our community, having, you know, those officers in our buildings is another layer of security that just makes everybody feel much more safe and secure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're here more for the social-emotional piece, but can you talk a little bit about your experience with our school resource officers?
3: Yes. So, Kelly, Officer Kelly Johnson um, is new to Donaldson Hills this year, and he has been assigned Um, He came in our building right away, walked the hallways, talked to kids. We visited classrooms, um, really answering questions that kids may have about safety and security, as well as building those relationships. And as we were walking around, kids wanted to know about the tools on their belt. It was a great opportunity to talk about careers. Um, They had lots of questions. Um, They asked about the police dogs, um, just interesting facts, and he spent a lot of time with them, talking to them. Um, Out of that couple of visits that he's had with our school, there was a student that was really interested and wanted to meet with him one-on-one. Went home to their parent and said, you know, the police officer was at school today, talked about, you know, different things. Mom, I'd really like to sit down with him and talk one-on-one, Um, That mom contacted him, and he came over the next day and had a really great 20-minute conversation with the boy who had questions and concerns just about things and really spending that time and building those relationships. So um, it's great to have the community come together to, to make that a safe and secure community for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, the next question is still kind of related to the relationship piece like Ann just demonstrated, but like you said, Jim, we have a great relationship with Waterford Police Department. How does that sort of facilitate their involvement in our schools?
2: Well, we we have a long partnership with them, um, preceded, you know, me stepping into this position, but, um, you know, they're they're just extremely supportive of our students and our staff. Um, You know, we... We know that um, they're a great partner for us, and they help support school safety. Whenever we have an incident, um, you know, uh, if it's an elementary school, for example, if, if a call goes out, we're a priority call. They're coming right away. They're, they're going to be right on the scene, and they're going to bring uh, resources. So, um, you know, we've partnered with them to um, on, on grants in the past. So, you know, we, we've done initiatives together. All Waterford police officers have keys to our buildings and card access to our buildings, so they they are able to immediately um, get in if anything happens. Um, they have access to our camera systems. Actually, their, their police dispatch is outfitted with uh, a wall of TVs, and, and our, our cameras are, are dialed into that so they can, if they have an incident, that they can uh, autom- just uh, immediately get into our cameras to help them. Um, try to mitigate the situation um, and 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 they provide training um, for our folks with Alice too uh, again uh, mentioning the the conference that we partner with um, they, they were all on board with that immediately they sent a, a lot of their um, not only officers but their their administration to get Alice uh, trained certified and um, they, they continue to do that to provide training to our staff so they, they've got a PowerPoint that they present and they're the ones that actually uh, conduct our annual Alice training.
0: Yep, I was in that this year. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, so like Jim and, and Ann just referenced, Scott, we have great safety and security yeah. protocols already here, yet mm-hmm. last spring you still had us undergo a security site assessment. Why did you decide to do that?
1: Well, I, we do have a strong program right now and strong support, but in the spirit of continuous improvement, we want to make sure we're doing everything we can so we wanted to bring in an expert to review our processes, our procedures, our partnerships. And what I was real pleased in, we were able to bring in um, SEC, who the CEO is Jason Russell. Jason Russell used to be with the Secret Service. Yes. So if he's good enough to protect the president, uh, I believe he's good enough to come in and help us protect our kids. <coughs> I'd say so. And yeah. um, so he also was involved in uh, – the aftermath of Oxford and I know he has worked with that superintendent but Jason is an expert in the field. Uh, just came from a conference this week where he spoke to uh, hundreds of superintendents and this morning on the front page of the paper there he is again working with another school district. So we brought in the best because we want to make sure we have the best processes and systems in place to protect our kids.
0: And what were the results of the
1: study? Well, the results were very good. We found that we were in the top 10% of districts uh, nationwide. I was going to say statewide, but nationwide, top 10%. Wow. So it's it's no question that we've done a good job, but we always have to be looking at how do we get better and make sure that we uh, learn new things and uh, the new uh, processes and systems that are out there so we can make sure that we're... Uh, We're updating where we need to.
0: For sure. Thanks, Scott. Jim, can you name a couple of those recommendations that SEC did provide in the report?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, some things
2: that we were able to accomplish immediately this summer, uh, you know, we added, we've got a bid in out for extra cameras. I don't think you can ever have enough cameras. Um, uh, We uh, have updated our external door, exterior door numbers, um, and that's important because the police have to respond um, it, it really helps them if, if we can uh, indicate, you know, uh, give them a visual as to where a, an incident might be taking place. They have copies of all of our maps, with which we're updating our safety maps throughout the district, too. Those are being, um, I've, I've just got a few of the, the latest buildings that received updates to, to finalize, and we're going to get those up uh, shortly. We just finished the proof, actually, so i really happy to get that moving forward. Um Things like emergency bins in in our schools. Um, each school uh, is equipped with an emergency bin in case there is any type of emergency where we need to evacuate the building. There are emergency supplies in there. The old bins were kind of a large, heavy, cumbersome type of tote. Um, out of that recommendation, you know, uh, Jason recommended maybe something a little more portable. So we actually um, ordered some rolling duffels. So okay. that you know, we're hoping that that that'll help. Um, first aid kits throughout the schools, stop the bleed kits. Um, We received uh, some uh, free stop the bleed kits from in a partnership with McLaren Hospital a few years back, Um, but we only got a couple per school. So, um, you know, all the safety experts say you can never have enough of those, especially if you have a critical incident. So um, we we, uh, acquired some more of those, Um, you know, again, more resources to, to conduct ALICE training with all of our folks. And, and one big thing that came out of it, which I, I think we'll be hearing a lot more about, on, you know, not only uh, statewide, but probably throughout the nation, is a behavioral threat assessments. And behavioral threat assessments is, is, is a process where really it's a proactive strategy to where, um, you know, if we've got kids that are struggling and um, staff, you know, start seeing signs that, that a child might need some help or an intervention, then this process really gets the whole team together together. Um, and it's a very defined process it's um, again a national uh, standard it's, it's uh, been developed in cooperation with the Secret Service um, but it's really uh, in place to like I said kind of help um, identify um, kids who are struggling and then it brings a whole team together which could include school administration social workers um, Uh, teachers, but bus drivers, custodians, whoever that child might have interaction with to help understand um, what might be going on to try to help get them the resources that they need. So we're really excited at at that opportunity to, to bring that into the district and we're moving forward with training of all of our staff.
0: Yeah, a lot of moving parts to keeping a district safe and secure. Yes. (laughs) You do a great job of of keeping it all together. Um, A common question that we also got more before the assessment, but was if we could install the the highly publicized night locks on our classroom doors. What were the findings from this study um, that directly relate to that?
2: Sure. Sure. Well, in regard to the night locks, um, uh, you know, door securement, obviously, is, is really critical in these types of situations. So um, we, uh, when when Jason came in, you know, that was one of the things that we really did ask him to focus on. Um, and when he, you know, he did, he visited all of our schools. He met with staff at every school. Not only did, had a, a discussion with the, uh, the security teams at each school, but he walked each facility um, and, you uh, and, again, we, we asked him to, to really focus, you know, on our doors and, and gives his thoughts on that. I also had our, our township emergency manager, Brendan Br- uh, Brosnan. Um, I met with him. He came in. Uh, we walked a couple schools, and, um, you know, he looked at the, the, the night locks. Uh, well, not the night locks, but, but you know, at, at our door, what we currently have in place, showed him a couple examples of supplemental securement systems that we were considering, which night lock, you know, was one of them. And you know they were both um, they were both uh, in agreement that what we have in place uh, those thumb locks those quick term locks that I mentioned earlier are are really more than adequate um, and and really the thumb locks that we have are probably are definitely better. Not every school district has these thumb locks in right. place. The district again made a, a big commitment on resources. You know these these uh, these lock sets aren't cheap, um, but you know what it does is it allows our staff to 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 quickly. Uh, secure their classroom without fumbling with keys and, and everything. And um, it, it, uh, it, it's a piece where the door is immediately secured. A staff member could do it. It's simple enough where a child could do it if need be. And it, it, it secures the door from the corridor so that nobody can get into the classroom. But along that Alice protocol, if, if conditions are right where you can escape, uh, again, there's no fumbling with keys. The, the, the handset is uh, set up to where it will allow you just to open the door from the inside of the classroom to get out without having to have to reset any locks or anything. So that's, that's a really um, a, a good device, and, and they were very supportive of that. Um, you know, with the supplemental locks, there are concerns, you know, um, especially with the night lock and the other ones we're looking at. It's, it's kind of a piece where it mounts on the wall, and you have to um, make a hole in, in the in the floor mm-hmm. t- for it to recess into to secure it. There were some concerns about access. I'm, um, you know, we know things end up missing mysteriously sometimes. So uh, you know, if we haven't, if if we're counting on that to, to be our our measure to secure that classroom, and at the moment of truth, somehow that piece is missing. Or somehow some dirt or debris have gotten into that hole it really you know could compromise you know um, having that strategy in place so we didn't really think that 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 was um, you know we, we know what we have is, is excellent we really didn't feel that we need to supplement it with with another product um, so that's that's really kind of how we, we came to the conclusion with that we shared with our Board of Education had Jason actually come in and talk to them about that piece too and 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 they were in agreement so um you know it's 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 really the the thumb turns that we have in place are an outstanding solution
0: good to know yeah um so that's just one of the many questions we've received from parents about safety and security so i'm going to ask you a couple more put you in the hot seat a little sure. bit sure <laughs> <laughs> um so a question a parent may ask is why do i need to sign in every time i go to my child's school
2: well, obviously, you know we've spent a lot of resources on securing our, our schools, and we we need to know who's in our schools. You know, um, as mentioned, we do volunteer, we, we do full background, eye check background checks on all of our volunteers. Okay. So, anybody coming in, we really want to be sure that you know we we account for them. Um, signing in is important, so we know who's in our buildings. But you know, if something critical happens in the school, and then uh, public safety comes. You know, it, it's nice to, to have that those sign-in lists also kind of do a, just a second check of who may or uh, be in the school. The school. Okay,
0: um, a parent may ask. I need to bring several materials into the building. Can I prop the door open?
2: Never want to prop the door open. No, you can't. Uh, that that's just a vulnerability. Again, you know, um, we we. we We are really uh, diligent with our staff about making sure that doors stay secured, especially exterior doors and windows. So um, no, no no propping of doors.
0: What should I do if someone is asking me to let them into the building or is right behind me but hasn't been granted access? I know I personally encountered this not too long ago, and it's awkward, but um, I did have to to the person, you know,
2: I can't let you in. Um, Certainly, yep. yeah, yeah. And, and that them. is a challenge, and, and we continually work with it and talk to our students and our staff about that. But, no, we absolutely do not want to do that. That's You may hear the term tailgating. That's kind of what that is. But, really, they, they need to go through the secured entry, and they need to be vetted through. Um, we shouldn't, you know, not let them into, you know, that's the purpose of our secured entries is to, to funnel everybody through one entrance, so they they come into a secured area. They sign in. We know who they are, and they don't um, they don't get into our corridors and have access to our students and staff. Okay. Uh, why can't
0: we just get metal detectors?
2: Well, yeah, metal detectors. That's that that's come up, and you know, as as I recall, uh, I'm watching some of the press conferences post Oxford Sheriff Bouchard. You know, addressed this. You know, he mentioned that really. Um, uh, metal detectors can be defeated um, they they can be defeated and and you know they're not hundred percent effective and as he pointed out really it's very rare especially in Oakland county for any schools um, really throughout the state I think is what he mentioned that actually do have metal detectors so i I know you know folks see him it seems like it's been integrated more into our lives at airports and things like that but for a school solution the logistics of it and everything it's it's really um doesn't rise to the level of necessity.
0: Okay, thanks, Jim.
2: Sure.
0: Uh, anything else that you want to add? I know you've been talking a lot already, but um, <laughs> if there's anything more, now would be the time.
2: Well, you know uh, what we tell everybody is, you know, school safety is everybody's responsibility, and you know we want to make sure that you know if 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 information comes comes forward that you know we're aware of it. Um, there've been several campaigns: see something, say something. You know, I think that's easy to remember, and we always remind our kids of that. But, you know, a, a big thing that the state uh, adopted uh, uh, several years back was the OK to Say program. And OK to Say, you know, um, just becomes more and more valuable, unfortunately, you know, as we continue to have these, these issues. And uh, obviously with the incident that happened in Oxford last year, it was it was huge across the state. But OK to Say, you know, is a, a, a great... Um, mechanism for our kids or uh, to report anything that they see you know if, if they you know I, I know often and with my kids you know you talk to them about if something happens to them, we'll, we'll make sure you go tell administrator they don't want to get the retribution so okay to say was put in place as a, as a confidential um, uh, resource for kids to call text email anything that they might have heard out there um, that that would be of concern and it's, it's vetted through the Michigan State Police. Um, when those calls come in, th- those folks get um, the report, they, they they look at it, and they have direct contact to um, myself, our school administration, and the Waterford PD to immediately contact one of us to begin immediate invest- investigations on any of these, these cases that are reported to them. So okay to say is huge, but we really want to impress on everybody that Security is everybody's responsibility. So, you know, if you talk to your kids, if they if they see something, reach out. If you don't want to reach out to school administrator, okay to say is definitely a, a, a confidential portal that they can do that, and it'll help us keep everybody
1: safe.
0: All right, good to know, Scott. Same for you. Anything else that you want to add in the area of safety and security in our school?
1: Yeah, I think we we just do a great job, and I we want to assure parents in our community that uh, we're working very hard to make sure that all of our Processes and procedures are up to date. That's why we brought in um, SEC with Jason Russell. We're going to continue to do that, but I think a very good point that, Jim, you point out, it's everyone's responsibility. We work together. We have uh, places where they can let us know information, and sometimes the information we find out really doesn't go anywhere, but we'd rather know it, even if it's a question, so we can investigate and get in front of that. Uh, so I'm just real pleased with what we continue to do here in Waterford.
0: Okay, great. Now we move on over to Anne, who is going to offer another perspective on the safety and security discussion, and that is the social emotional impacts that these various situations can have on our students.
1: Yeah, that's right. here in Waterford, we are very proactive with our social emotional learning resources. We have an incredible safe team who has been on this podcast before, and you may have also noticed, that we have a couple of golden retriever dogs that are now in various levels of training and being implemented in our schools. There is currently one at Cooley, the first one. Uh, her name is Rosie. And then we have one at Mott, whose name is Charlie. And the rumor out there is that they'll soon be one at Kettering as well. But those are just two of the examples of many social-emotional resources that we provide for our students here at Waterford.
0: Yes, and we have to get those dogs on the show too. Yes, especially now that we have the visual visual piece on YouTube. I think I need to get them right. in my school as well. <laughs> uh, but today we're going to learn about some of the awesome social and emotional learning program um, items going on over at Donaldson Hills. So, Anne, first, can you talk to us about social emotional learning, which is commonly referred to as SEL, what it is? and why it's important for us to address it in the classroom
3: along with academics. Thank you. This is definitely um, a passion of mine. And SEL are really specific life skills and daily lessons that promote student voice and independence. Um, As an educator for 23 years and an educator K through 12, um, in all the different buildings I have traveled in, um, what I noticed a common theme amongst staff, students and parents um, is that everyone wants a voice. Everyone wants to be heard, felt like they belong, and um, do I really matter and what and why do I need to be here? So as I started to tr- you know travel down this road of education, I started to notice that as adults, we don't allow, Mm-hmm. Time for student voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to give you an example. If you ever have a young child um, and you ask that child a question, who answers it? The parent. Mm-hmm. Um, how was your day? Where did you go? You know, what did you learn in school today? Um, what did you do over the weekend? Often an adult nearby will answer that question, thus stifling um, a child's voice. So um, I started to really pay attention to that, and when I noticed, kids have a voice, they have opinions, they have feelings, they know what to do with them, they know what they want, they know what they need, Um, and I started to just change a mind shift in how we allow kids to have voices. So with SEL, no matter if you're 5, 15, 55, no matter who you are, really creating an environment where everybody has a voice. So through the social-emotional learning, students really learn to understand their emotions, identify their emotions, communicate their emotions, and really take responsibility for those emotions and the actions that, or the repercussions or the consequences of their voice. Everything has a consequence. So um, understanding that and relating to themselves, really gives them a positive self-image through school.
0: Okay, and how is it that you have implemented SEL at Donaldson Hills?
3: So an important component of SEL um, in our curriculum is called restorative practices or um, in some areas they're called circles. So it's that creating that classroom community, again, where everyone has a voice, everyone can be heard. As we know, as a society in everyday life, problems arise, um, things happen, people don't know how to communicate well with each other, um, and creating that environment that allows um, students to develop that. So we call them circles. And we get together in these community circles daily, each teacher in our classroom. And the circle represents something very positive. Because if you think about a circle, there's no beginning, there's no end. There's no leader. There's, I mean, everybody has equal um, Equal ability within this circle. You can see everyone's face. You can look at them. Nobody's hiding behind someone else. You can't really leave the circle. Um, If you think about campfires, everyone gathers around a campfire, right? And it creates this community. So we wanted to create that within our school. Um, And when that happens and when a situation happens, now we've created this community is how we talk to each other. Um, We get to know each other, maybe our favorite likes, what we don't like, what we do like, a little bit about our families, so that when a problem arises, we gather in a circle and we talk about things. The hardest part, particularly dealing with elementary kids, is I was trying to figure out how everybody was not talking all at once. Um, (laughs) Because that is a very difficult thing. Um, Especially when people are excited about Mm -hmm. something or maybe they're upset about something. Um, They really don't know how to be good listeners. So as I was trying this practice, I was looking for some kind of a talking piece that would allow someone to talk while others listened. So as I, I was looking around my office, I really didn't see anything. So I was thinking, thinking. I was up north one weekend enjoying the beautiful Um, northern Michigan and I walked into a bargain bar Mm -hmm. and I looked at a huge barrel of misfit toys that no one wanted Um, introduce (laughs) if you can see here now Mm -hmm. introduce stinky and then boom it hit me what a novel idea to use as a talking piece with younger students um, right, skunks are stinky. We have stinky problems. We have to figure it out. So I bought them all up, very cheap. Brought them home and started to use this in my office when I was working with kids. And I would in- I introduce Stinky. Said, "Do you know my stinky friend? <laughs> Here he is." They would look around the room like, "Who's you know Who is she talking about?" Um, and then Stinky came with some rules so that if you were holding Stinky, you were the only person talking. And then everybody else just had to be listening. Also creating a life skill. We all know that if we've gotten a heated argument with someone, it's hard to, like, you know, <laughs> not not talk out of turn. Um, and then I just laid some funny rules down that said if you're talking out of turn, you're going to hear, like, eh, eh, some, like, weird noise, which, again, <laughs> makes kids laugh, brings their cortisol level down. Yeah. Um, and really creating this environment with where it's okay to have a strong emotion. It's okay to talk about it and let's, you know, let's figure it out together. Well, as this started working in my office, and then I would look around and be like, "Oh my gosh, that worked. I can't even believe that worked. Did somebody see that, you know, other than me?" Um, I really started to think about, "What if we did this school-wide? What if we took this novel idea with our social-emotional learning and our restorative practices and our circle, and we introduced that. Um, I trained my staff how to use these pieces, and then all of a sudden, our kids had a voice. They they knew what to do with their strong emotions. Um, And then Pinky came along, Mm -hmm. just random, because as we were using (coughs) this talking piece in our restorative circles, and creating our social-emotional learning space, Mm A teacher came to me and said, Ann, Stinky needs a friend. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was like, and she said, this is Pinky. Uh Because a student noticed she had a stuffed pig in her room. And because Stinky solves Stinky problems, Pinky will create positive solutions. This, the friendship formed. Mm -hmm. So... I found all these online. <laughs> created these friends. And so after we solve our problem in our circle, and students have their voice and they voice their opinion, then Pinky comes in and students start to give advice how to problem solve. What are some solutions to the problem we have present? The teacher is not giving her opinion or his opinion. Or his advice, it's coming from kids. Allowing kids to voice what the solution is, um, it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful scenario. Um, it allows kids to have a voice. The most interesting thing is kids seek these items out now on their own in the classroom, sure. and they work out problems mm-hmm. independently, um, not in a whole classroom on the playground. In the gym, sometimes when things get really heated, um, kids will ask, we have Mrs. Cruz come in and run our circle? And if I'm walking down the hallway with these two things, there is not a student in our classroom. Mrs. Cruz, where are you going? We have a stinky problem. <laughs> and they say, well, <laughs> you'll work it out. You guys will work it out. Um, and it really allows, it gives teachers a tool. Um, because problems arise in school. You can't have 25 kids in a classroom um, when there's not a problem or situation every day that needs a solution, so.
0: Right, so what was it that made you decide that this would be a good method to utilize in the classroom?
3: As I became an administrator um, and I had to investigate and deal with more serious situations that required suspensions, it didn't feel good here it didn't it didn't feel good to remove a child from our community and expect them to come back a different person the next day
1: sure.
3: so as i started to think about that i really started to think about restorative practices as as we are teaching students whether they're 5, 15 or 18 a skill that they have to have is they have to understand what my actions have consequences, but how they have affected the greater community. So by sending somebody home and expecting them to come back without really having a conversation about what happened, what were you thinking at the time, who did this affect, how can we repair the harm, then the behavior, the negative behavior that caused the suspension will not change. They want to understand how it connects bigger to the greater school community. Mm-hmm. So as we start as I started to do these restorative practices um, and really build self-confidence within students um, to take responsibility for their actions, then we had less problems mm-hmm. and increased um, awareness of how these affect the greater community yeah, I was going to ask you what were
0: some of the results that you've seen since you first implemented them. They've been around for I think you told me about five years now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they've made their way to some other district buildings as well, correct? Yes.
3: So as a um, yes, as a district, this year um, our we have so here was my basis. This is a book called Better Than Carrots or Sticks: Restorative Practices for positive classroom management but this really builds into our social emotional learning so really this was my Bible when I started this work um, because I knew we needed to make a change a mind shift Um, and as a district we have adopted this book this year and it was given to every staff member at professional development Um, as you can see it's it's, it's thin Mm -hmm. Um, it's great for parents students Um, we did a book study at our school And then as things started to improve in our school, not only academically, but students started to come to school, our attendance was up, Um, our safety and security and our community was building, Um, I started to share these ideas with my colleagues. Um, Stinky and Pinky have made their way Mm -hmm. into multiple, (laughs) multiple buildings, um, I I did have a teacher that had moved away to a different state because her family relocated. Um, She texted me a couple years ago and said, Stinky and Pinky are in full action um, (laughs) at our school because she had a tool that she could take Mm -hmm. with her. Um, This is a lifelong skill to really
2: be able to communicate.
3: Absolutely.
0: You can't argue with those
3: results. No.
2: No, and if I could say, I mean, (laughs) you know, when I participated in the professional development we did a big security piece you know with with all of our staff you, this presentation that you did along mm-hmm. with the safe team getting to meet the safe team and what they do for our kids is just phenomenal and it really does just you know just helps with the, uh, the overall safety and security of everybody but just just phenomenal work on that i'm really impressed yeah,
3: yeah. thank you mm-hmm. yeah we yeah we are i'm impressed um, that it that it works you know it is not a magic pill mm-hmm. it is really a change in a mindset mm-hmm. how we approach um, we're teaching children and to mm-hmm. understand their uh, strong emotions
0: but it sounds like it's good for the children as well as the adults mm-hmm. involved absolutely so yeah. for all ages like you've yes. referenced a couple times for sure mm-hmm. um, Scott what are your thoughts on what Ann is doing over there at Donaldson and overall why
1: this type of learning is so important in the district? Well, to highlight three things why it's so important. Relationships, student voice, and skills. Teaching skills to resolve conflict. If you think about just in our world today, we could use those three things, but <laughs> skills to resolve conflict. And so we're teaching our kids, and we, we have some props to do that, but that's what we're doing here in Waterford. And I think it's a great example uh, what Ann brings to us today at Donaldson Hills and across the district.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Scott, and to all of our guests for being on the show. Jim, you're doing a great job of ensuring our students and staff stay safe during the school day, and Anne, kudos to you for implementing a program that reaches our students, not just academically, but socially and emotionally as well. This podcast is brought to you by Waterford School District's Department of School and Community Services and is produced by video production coordinator Jane Kelly. I am the host of this podcast, Sarah Davis, and you can find all episodes of WSD Voice on our website at waterford.k12.mi.us, or you can tune in to 89.5 WAHS, or Radio Central Multicultural. We so appreciate you listening today and encourage you to continue to tune into future episodes of WSD Voice as we discuss topics geared toward inspiring, educating, and empowering our students staff, alumni,
1: and community to thrive. Hello, this is Scott Lindbergh, superintendent of Waterford School District. Right now is a very exciting but also challenging time in education. More than ever, our staff and students need support. That is why this November 8th, Election Day, Waterford School District will place a non-homestead millage renewal and restoration on the ballot. This is something we are required to do every 10 years to maintain current funding. It is not a new tax and is a zero tax increase for homeowners. This millage would maintain $12 million annually for Waterford School District and would guarantee that the district continues to receive funding from the state each year for general operating costs such as textbooks, staff, classroom materials, and technology. To learn more information about this millage and how it impacts Waterford School District, visit wsdmi.org millage. As always, thank you for supporting this district, and most importantly, our staff and students. This ad has been paid for by the Waterford School District, 501 North Cast Lake Road, Waterford, Michigan, 48328.